All right, guys, uh, welcome to another episode. We are with Fauzi here. Fauzi is a, an industrial engineering graduate from U of T who specializes in human-centered design. He's done you know, a bunch of interesting projects. Um, you know, currently, he is uh, also a product designer where uh, you know, he does a lot of interesting things I wanna dive into and uh, ask a lot of questions about. So uh, we'll dive right into it. But before that, Fauzi, thanks for joining, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I uh, just started the, the new job. Um, you know, second weekend, it's been good. You know, good way to start the year. And yeah, I got some, you know, got some big goals for this year. Hopefully, you know, I get to achieve all of them. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, hopefully, hopefully. Where, where did you start the job? Uh, so I just started at uh, RBC. So okay. I'm, a, I'm a product designer on their uh, mobile app team. Okay. So, you know, uh, if you're a customer, I'll be designing stuff for you. <laughs> Interesting. So you did industrial engineering, which obviously I, I know like human factors is, is a big part of, of industrial engineering. Was that where you kind of decided that you want to take this route? Uh, where, where did this happen? Did you always have kind of a creative side to you as well, which you wanted to foster? Um, I actually ended up in industrial engineering kind of by like mistake by accident like when I applied to UFT uh, engineering you had to pick I think three programs so my first choice was actually civil engineering okay. uh, the second one was mechanical engineering and third one I just threw in industrial engineering because I didn't want to do the other ones hmm. um, and I remember because like the the picture on the site had like someone driving the simulator hmm. I'm like okay this might be like a cool like backup you know I don't want it but I want the first two um, so when I got my like letter back, um, I got rejected from like civil engineering and mechanical engineering, and uh, I got the offer for industrial engineering. So I decided to just, you know, take it, go with it. They said that first year is like general for everyone. So it doesn't really matter, um, you know, what program you're in specifically, you can always transfer in second year. And yeah, so I just accepted it. I'm like, you know, what, let's go. I'll uh, I'm not really sure what I want to do anyway. So I'll just accept it for now. And thank God I did, because, you know, in first year, we took all the, the civic and the mechanical courses, and they were my my worst. Like, I absolutely hated them. Um, sorry if any profs are listening. It wasn't you. It's just, you know, my preference. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like what I expected. So I'm, I'm glad I, I got into industrial engineering. I kind of looked more into the program and, you know, the, the curriculum for, you know, years two, three, and four. And I'm like, okay, this is like broad enough. I don't know what I want to do, but, you know, this covers a lot of different things and hopefully, you know, one thing will click and I'll, uh, you know, take it from there. So I just decided to stay on. And even like in second year, I wasn't really set on human factors. I kind of took, you know, a few, uh, a few courses here and there that like, cover everything. And I actually wanted to go into programming first. Um, but then, you know, when it came time to like apply to, to internships, I, um, I, you know, I applied to like 50 probably software engineering internships and I got rejected from all of them, every single one, like not even an interview. And I remember applying to this one UX design internship at, at Rogers and that ended up the only interview, um, like that ended up being the only interview that I got. And eventually I got, got the job and that's how I found out about the whole UX design, uh, you know, world. And, you know, that summer was like one of the best work, work experiences ever. Like uh, it was like something I was ever exposed to before. Um, but I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to think about, you know, think about problems, how to solve them. 
and even like you know talk to people about them and like you know test and experiment and learn um something about you know like you know we have you know a process but you know sometimes it's most of the time it's messy and i like you know the messy aspect of it and i think that's when you can be like creative and you know come up with your best work interesting okay so obviously now you see yourself as you know a lot more let's say creative than than technical so you, you don't do any coding anymore do you i don't do any coding like after i uh like after I kind of had that first UX design internship, I decided to just like stay in UX, but I actually kept learning uh, uh, about coding. Like I can, you know, I can do some, some front end coding, uh, even did some like coding at one of my internships. Um, but it wasn't really like, it's not really a job requirement for designers, but for me, it's more, I wanted to understand like the technical, technical side of things, even if I wasn't implementing it. Because you can't really, I don't want to look at things in isolation as in, you know, I just make these designs and they magically show up. It just helps me become better at my job when I'm working with someone technical um, and even, you know, make their job easier so we can like collaborate better. And um, yeah, honestly, and even just like for my own curiosity, just, you know, being more of a generalist than kind of just like focusing on like one, uh, just like being a designer. I see, I see. And, and you were a experienced designer in Publicis Sapient. I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes. that right. Yes, yes. So it's so it's like a French word. So it's uh, Publicis. Um, but I just say Publicis Sapient. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was like my previous job. Um, yeah, sorry, you wanted to ask me about that. Yeah, I wanted to know you were like an experienced designer, but now you're a product designer, right? Mm -hmm. Is yeah. there a difference between experience versus product designer? Yeah. So uh, depending on the company, everyone like has like slightly different terms in terms of like what they expect from designers. Like some people call it UX designer. Some people like merge UX and UI. Some people just call it experience. Some people call it product. I don't think anyone's like set on any definitions. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, uh, at, like to take Sapien as an example, experience design is mostly focused on, you know, think about the overall experience uh, like the uh, like the different user flows, like the overall information architecture and the overall logic of uh, either an app or a website or an, an experience that you're building. Mm -hmm. um, and for example, like the product designer is more of a like more of a generalist designer. So you do have to have like that uh, UX knowledge, but you know you, you can also do some of the the visual design, which is more like things like setting the the color typography. Um, uh, and things like that, as well as thinking about the content design and, you know, bringing that into the, the picture. So it's kind of uh, a more broad definition of it, which is kind of what I was looking for when I was doing the switch, just being able to, you know, be involved in multiple things rather than just focusing on one thing. I see. Okay. And, and would you say, let's say, because you mentioned workflow and, and user experience, right? So designing that, like, front-end or end-to-end -end user experience for a particular app or service, if, if someone has experience in process improvement, for example, do you think designing the workflow end-to-end -end would be something that, you know, they could, they could make some, you know, strides and progress in when it comes to user experience design? I think so, yeah, because it's, I think like the, at the core level, like it involves like the same rationale. Because hmm. um, when you think of like a, a flow, whether it's like, uh, like you said, it's like a process in real life versus someone going through an app, there's like a lot of different 
like systems involved mm -hmm. that interact with one another. It's not like, you know, maybe someone's going down that one path, but to make that path happen, there are like different things enabling it. Mm -hmm. So I think the same, you can apply the same logic to it. Um, so for example, in the case of uh, UX, sure, yeah, you're building a flow, but you also have to make sure that uh, like the, the, the backend system matches what you want to do. Um, so for example, like what information you need to collect from someone when they're signing up or, uh, you know, different inputs they need to, to keep going. And that involves, you know, close work with the technical teams. And that's what makes like the, the virtual process kind of as like um, complex as like a, like a real life process. Interesting. Okay. So I, I do want to minimize the user experience side just for a little bit just to talk to you about or ask you about your new comic series that yeah. you've been working on. That's That's been really interesting. I do have to say I haven't seen all of them or read all of them, but I've read a few and they're super, you know, insightful, interesting. I don't know if you do the artwork yourself, but I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I, I do the, the artwork myself. So yeah, there's some like background. It was uh, something I kind of started during... Um, COVID. So uh, I graduated in like May 2020. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't start my full time job until September. So I kind of had like that entire summer to myself, you know, you couldn't travel, couldn't do anything. Yeah, uh, just like everyone else, you know, stuck at home. So I started to think about, you know, different, like, like picking up like a new hobby. Um, the first thing I tried was learning magic. And um, I, I spent three weeks just like watching magic trick videos and like even dissecting like magic shows and like seeing how people did the tricks. <laughs> um, I'm the worst magician. So I just like dropped that. Okay. Um, so I decided, you know, let me, let me pick something that's more uh, useful and um, something different that I haven't tried before. And, you know, growing up my entire life, one thing I always told myself was I'm really bad at drawing. And, you know, I could barely draw stick figures together and make them look good. Like, that's how bad I was. So I, you know, just signed up for a course, started learning. And it kind of evolved into me, uh, you know, uh, like one of the, the videos was about comics specifically. And I felt like that was the one that I was most interested in. I didn't really care about drawing perfect, you know, landscapes with like the right shading. But the comic one was about, you know, making like a, like a short story you know, just like three, four images, you can tell a story that resonates with someone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was like a very like super like useful and um, insightful to me. Like I was like, I want to be able to do this well. So I kind of dive deep into it. All the books in my background that you see, they're all comic books or comic books about comic books. <laughs> I, I can see I can see the New Yorker there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I started. I just like started, you know, learning different techniques. Uh, obviously, it started bad, but when you start something, you just have to allow yourself to be bad to be to become better. And I was kind of forcing myself to post them on Instagram every week, and you know that way, just I like as a way to keep myself accountable. Because if I just you know try to sketch them in my book and then close it, you know, not not really gonna put in my best effort. Mm. So I started posting them and um, yeah, as for, for like year 2049, it was like an idea I had last year uh, when I was like trying to think of the next evolution of what I wanted to draw. Okay. And I wanted to come up with like a theme and uh, I thought, you know, the future would be a cool theme. Everyone's interested by the future. Everyone's kind of scared by the future, but I wanted to approach it differently uh, instead of, you know, 
painting these like scary dystopias of you know robots taking over kind of like the cliche stuff yeah let me kind of do it as a way to educate people about things um because you know yeah a lot of things are scary but they're scary because we don't know enough about them and once we start to learn about them they become less scary and we start to understand you know how we come into the picture and like mm. our role in you know the, the world yeah um or like how we see it um so yeah that's how it started and yeah so now every week it's uh like you mentioned it's like a weekly newsletter i publish every friday uh, i do the all the artwork the format is one comic and it's followed by like the short explanation of uh, the specific like discovery or invention i talk about that week sometimes it's uh, a startup sometimes it's maybe like a scientist came up with like this really cool thing mm. so i put it in like the context of a story and that kind of hooks people in and you know um it's more than just uh, an article that you read and like for uh, sure for sure Sto storytelling would, would be a lot more like attractive to to the people so how long does it take 100%. you to like, do something like that because i know you also have your full-time job so is yeah. the process of coming up with the idea like very cumbersome yeah it definitely takes a, a lot of time i would say each week like there's at least 10 hours that go into it um and i mostly do that after work hmm. and i have like a running list of articles that i save that I use as a way to kind of, you know, pick an idea each week. So I just pick like, you know, one topic, I'll, I'll just go with it. I'll do the research and then I'll try to come up with the story. And yeah, by Friday, it's, you know, 8.30 AM, it's in your inbox and people read it. And so far it's been, you know, the feedback's been really good. Um, people are really enjoying it. I think, you know, I don't have like that big of an audience yet, but I think the best thing so far is that uh, I think only two people unsubscribed um okay. since i started in september and i'm almost at like 300 subscribers so you know decent numbers not not as much as you know the big newsletters but you know it's a start yeah man it's it's definitely a start and it's really interesting how you said you don't have a lot of experience in drawing and then you started learning how to draw you took courses you actually took the initiative to do that because i mean these drawings they, they are interesting like how, how do you do that is, is that on an app or do you do it on paper how's it done yeah, so it's uh, it's an app on on the iPad called Procreate. Oh, Procreate. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if you have an iPad, it's it's a great app. Like you can do like the simplest thing to the to the most complicated things. So now that you're learning digital art, maybe getting into the NFT space is the next step. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've had a few few people tell me that. Um, that's you know that's a topic I've been wanting to to cover and 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 that I will cover in like a in like a future newsletter. Uh, I definitely don't try to follow like the like the news cycle. I know you know there's a lot of people talking about NFTs now. I think in the current form that I'm seeing it is just you know profile pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting to like I, I want to like research research it more and like see like other use cases that I would feel are more interesting. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll maybe you never know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Keep keep me posted. I mean, I'll be interested to see what you'll do in that space as well because. You definitely showed a lot of initiative here, so it can be interesting. Um, now, talking about some of your other projects, I was looking at uh, Turbo, Turbo, Turbo Menu, and that was also something that was really interesting. Uh, you and one of your uh, colleagues worked on it together, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was me and uh, my friend uh, Adam. He's also an industrial engineering student, same class as me. Uh, one of the best developers if not the best developer i know hmm. um but yeah it was like one of those things that we both decided to do 
as like a fun like side project uh, also during covid um i think it was just like us trying to like solve a problem we um actually just for some context if people don't know the 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 project turbo menu is a tool that restaurants can use to create like a qr code menu it's completely free um we don't make money from it it, it was just like we just wanted to help small restaurants especially um, because we saw some other tools were more expensive and we just wanted to give like a like a free alternative and uh yeah so we built it we actually have um i mean i, I think we built it kind of late uh like in hindsight because a lot of people are a lot of restaurants already had a menu set up and you know the cost of switching is high because they don't want to retype everything into the For new sure. one um but yeah we actually do have like three restaurants that use it a lot um actually one of them is beaver tails uh one of the franchises not all of them okay um and two other restaurants in in downtown and uh yeah we've we don't really work on it uh, anymore we just have it on and it's it doesn't cost us anything to run we just leave it on for anyone to to use and create a menu i see um yeah but it was it was a it was a really cool side project i was uh like going door to door to restaurants and telling them to to you know sign up and make their menu most of the time i got rejected um but yeah other than that it was like a fun fun experience that's nice man yeah a lot of lot of side projects and i know it takes up energy and, and time as well besides doing work but it almost feels like these side projects kind of fuel your your soul so you can continue working as well you know yeah for sure i think i see them as like experiments of of learning um i feel like every side project i've done has been like a way for me to become better at something um so for example turbo menu was you know how, how do i like build a product with someone from like scratch and you know launch it but also uh you know market it and like try to get people to sign up kind of like going through that whole process yeah and, and i've learned a lot from that for sure and it's like when you're doing a project the skills that you need in order to complete that project like you identify those skills and then you actually sit down and learn them because you have a goal that you can stick those skills to, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, uh, it's hard to, you know, I, I think doing courses and stuff is, is helpful, but it's hard to retain that information unless you like apply it. For sure. Um, and yeah, there's like so many small things that you never think about. Things like, you know, how to send an email, you know, like even like details, like what you put in the subject line mm. um, and, you know, these small details that you wouldn't really think of. Um, sure. we start then, to you know, become better project, at for sure uh Fauzi, what's what's your take on because i know you're like a product designer so you obviously work with a lot of like project manager product managers as well right yeah so do product managers have a more broad scope and kind of a higher level scope of work compared to the designers how, how is that relationship yeah, for sure. They definitely do have like a higher scope because um, they essentially like connect, um, you know, people across different disciplines and they make sure, you know, that everything is, you know, uh, going smoothly because mm -hmm. um, they have to balance, you know, like what like like design requirements with, you know, business requirements, but also uh, technical requirements and balancing all three is, you know, it's, it's incredibly challenging no matter like what company you work at. Um, so they definitely have, you know, a higher level view of everything that's going on. Mm. And, and like, do you think in the future, though, product designers will also acquire the same kind of skill sets as 
as like product managers? Um, I don't know about the future, but I think uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's important for designers to, um, you know, besides the design knowledge, uh, have like the, the technical knowledge and like the business knowledge to sure. um, to kind of keep in mind while designing. Mm. Because I think if you have those two things, like that really sets you apart and you create, you know, uh, you know, feasible solutions um, because it's it's easy to, to make ideal states and, you know, things that are, you know, uh, yeah, like I said, ideal. Um, but it's even harder to try to balance, you know, to kind of, balance it with the like the reality that you're in mm. with because you know if you work at a company and there are certain uh there's like a long-term strategy and uh, you know different business metrics that you have to keep in mind but also mm. technical constraints that even if you want to propose something you know revolutionary that can be done overnight so you have to be able to kind of have like a longer term vision and see how everyone's work fits into yours and the other way around for sure. So, so it is important, like, obviously a designer needs to design, um, design really well, but then if they do have that technical knowledge and the business knowledge, along with the creative uh, scope or knowledge that they have, then it definitely helps. Yes. They would call you a unicorn. That's, uh, that's the term. <laughs> a unicorn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and talking about that um, and the future, I wanted to know, what role augmented reality would would play because i know there's a lot of tools that designers use at the moment but not necessarily you know with augmented reality or with virtual reality uh, are there things being done in that space right now or do, do, are you aware of things being done in that space yeah uh, there's definitely a lot going on in um, in that space uh, i think every like every industry is looking into it I think some of the interesting use cases I saw was um, around like um, maintenance. I remember seeing this video a couple of years ago. I think it was like from, from Microsoft with their HoloLens. I was kind of showing like how someone repairing a piece of machinery would like have these, uh, the HoloLens on and would kind of pull up the instructions and even um, kind of overlay information over the machine. So you could pull up, you know, the, the manual uh, at the same time while you're like your your hands are busy mm -hmm. so I thought I thought that was like a very interesting use case interesting. um yeah and would you and would you say that m more of the design work that you're currently doing like first of all before that question are there any tools specific tools that help like designers do what they do best um, yeah, I mean, I think the best tool, which uh, I think most designers would, would agree with is Figma. Um, and like over the past, I've only been using it for a year, but even over the past year, like they've been like building so and making is, it better. What is it called again? Uh, Figma, F-I-G-M-A. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like, honestly, it's a tool where you can do everything. Like you can whiteboard, um, you know, you can... Uh, brainstorm with your team everyone jumps in it's collaborative unlike some other tools um, you can create design systems component libraries so it really streamlines everything into like one one tool whereas before you needed like two or three tools to do all of that stuff hmm. um, but kind of but figma kind of took everything and put it into one so so it does all the wire framings and the front end kind of low fidelity design and like that exactly basically creates like an mvp in a way 
exactly yeah you can you can do you can go as like low fidelity or high fidelity as you want uh, and i've used it for for both yeah a friend of mine actually was working on this app idea and i didn't really know what figma is back then but he sent me a link to figma and i could actually interact with like the, the yeah. user interface and he would see where my my mouse is which was really interesting. yeah yeah that's uh yeah that's one of the, the best uh, best features do you think the line between a designer and a product manager is going to get like more and more blurry as we as we move forward um it's an interesting question i, I don't know i mean uh, like so far it's uh i feel like it's pretty um, like um like it's pretty separate. Uh, I, I don't know if like the the role of a like designer will change in the future when I don't know if, if things become if like a, a better tool comes along where you don't need you know uh, someone manually putting all the screens together. Maybe there's like a way to to automate that because um, you know a lot of patterns are reusable. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see like how the role of a designer will evolve because um, I think the product manager. Is like harder to replace um, because they're already covering so many different things, and you know they're in charge of that like the higher level view mm-hmm. of of the project. Um, so yeah, I, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and and have you heard of agentive agentive design? Agentive design. I haven't heard of that. So basically, for example, traditional designs we used to design things, objects, whether they're like real life or online but we had to interact with them in order to get prompts or responses out of them right so we mm-hmm. would click a button and then it would you know prompt a certain action and then we would get feedback right so that's kind of traditional but then agent of design is where we actually design a product or or a service but it does all of that kind of loop by itself so it does things for us but automatically and i just wanted mm-hmm. to know if uh, this was like a trend that uh, you you heard of or you're like working on or anything like that. I haven't heard of that term um, exactly, but I kind of want to I kind of want to read about it now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I know like it's definitely made it becoming easier for people to uh, design and build their own products. Like there are a lot of no code tools now that you can use to, you know, some some apps let you I think create apps from like. Uh, a google sheet i don't know how that works exactly but i remember seeing that on like product product hunt for example um you know things like shopify or webflow you know it's, it's really easy to set up like an entire store without you know touching a line of code mm. um so is that like definitely everything that was very manual before um is becoming like super easy to set up because it's kind of the same patterns that you're reapplying and mm. whoever is able to simplify that and you know package it in like a like a nice product at an affordable price you know will attract a lot of people hmm. and i got another one here so maybe you might not know this but i'll ask anyways what areas of organizations do you think design thinking methodologies are being underused right now which if they use hmm. you know they could they could make a lot more strides and progress yeah uh, that's an interesting question because it definitely depends on the company. I've I haven't been been to like enough companies to form like a like a full perspective on it. But in the in the ones that I've joined, for example, at RBC, I know it's like used a lot across all areas. Um, it's been like more popular 
uh, over the years. Um, but if it's underutilized, I think everyone can benefit from it. Hmm. Um, like even if you're not designing like screens or something, but I think, uh, you know, design decisions happen every day, like the way you design your strategy, the way you design like your operations, mm -hmm. um, you know, a business model, all of that is requires design thinking. Uh, and, you know, not, not just saying, you know, I think the, the, the traditional approach is putting the customer first, but I think now you have to put like some other things like also at the center, for example, like, uh, you know, the environment and, you know, especially the environment. I, th I think that, that would be the big yeah. one that we need to start including mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the, the, the needs of people sometimes um, don't align with the, like are destructive to the environment. So I think it, we need to put that back into the equation because um, we are at a critical time when it comes to that stuff. For sure, for sure. So I am going to kind of end this with a few series of lighter questions. So uh, let's, let's get cool. into that. I wanted to know if you could write something on a billboard and that billboard was like in the middle of the highway, super big and everyone can see it. What would you write on the billboard? Or what would you put um, on? It can be a drawing as well, but what would you write or put on? Um, Hmm, interesting. I think one thing I've um, I always tell people is um, you know don't be attached to your own identity. Uh, always you know look beyond you know what, what you believe is true about yourself. You know you can it's easy to put yourself into a box and say you know I'm good at this, I'm good at this, and I'll I'm bad at this or I'm bad at that. Um, like you never know what you could be missing out on. So for example, me was like the drawing. That was something I always told myself I was bad at, but you know, the, the first step is kind of, you know, forgetting that part and, you know, taking it from a fresh perspective. And yeah, I know you said light speed and I keep talking, but yeah, that, that's what I would say. Okay. So don't, don't attach yourself to anything specific. That was kind of a summary. Of yeah. Like don't be attached to your own identity. Yeah. Don't be attached to your own identity. Yeah. I, I screwed that one up. <laughs> uh, and now if, you wanted to gift a book to a loved one, a friend, family member. What book would you give them? Oh, um, I think this one follows uh, like the answer is like close to the first one. It's uh, it's a book that I read during the, the pandemic. It's called uh, Range by David Epstein. And it talks about like the, the benefits of being like a generalist versus a specialist. Obviously, there are like pros and cons to each. But I think it really spoke to me and kind of like remind me that it's good to be curious and, you know, look at, you know, be interested in all aspects of, of life or uh, mm -hmm. any topic that you come across. Yeah, because everything is like interconnected, right? It's not exactly. It's, it's, not, it's a one big system. Deep into one thing, then you forget the fact that the universe doesn't work the way our minds work, where we just want to, you know, frame things and just look at one thing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like the, the whole like, you know, systems thinking approach. Uh, which is, I, I guess, what industrial engineering is about. Sure. Um, but yeah, actually, you, you spoke of a digging. One of the one of the the lines in the book, which I always like remember, is um, he he mentioned like you know people are you know digging you know trenches because they're specializing into things, and a generalist is good because he can like they can dig across those trenches and maybe like make these connections that aren't so obvious to um, to other people. Yeah, see, I, I always see or saw myself and still see myself as a generalist, but there's that little guilt that I have deep down that, okay, if I'm a generalist, then, you know, 
I'm not necessarily specializing in any yeah. one thing. And I don't know, is that bad? Is that good? So I don't know. I should read this book as well. Yeah, I, I definitely have the same like dilemma. Um, but I think for now, I'm definitely sticking in like the, the generalist camp. Maybe that will change in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I think it's important uh, to just follow your curiosity and see what, see what happens. For sure. Fauzi, I wanted to thank you for, for joining. And also, again, man, um, the story about your drawing and like learning to draw, taking initiative, that's, that's, that's really impressive. So hopefully you'll take that and, you know, use it in many other ways as well in your life, right? Like learn new stuff and constantly uh, pivot and shift and grow. But anyways, thank you for, for joining. If there's anything else you want to talk about, you know, feel free. But uh, if not, really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. And yeah, I mean, just like one last thing is, you know, whatever you think you're bad at, you know, give it, give it a shot. You never know what, uh, what comes out of it. Definitely, man. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Thanks.